0: Welcome to the Women of the West Podcast. Exploring the trials and bliss of women blazing trails for themselves through the Western way of life. Jessica Castile is the creator behind Tapadero Annies, and honestly, an all-around badass lady. She is such a ray of light, using positivity and willpower to remove herself from a bad domestic situation. Today, she seems to be happy and healthy as she raises her children on a ranch in South Dakota with her husband and uses her creative talents in graphic design, leather work, and jewelry making. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast with me today. Absolutely. It's good to be here. So, yeah, so I guess this, I, I told you that I heard that you listen to my podcast, but I was like, so cracked up by it because when I first had the idea to start this podcast I made a whole list and there's like 60 people on it I mean I just went through like all my social media and stuff and I like wrote down names of people who I would want to interview and you were on that list so I'm glad I'm I'm finally getting to talk to you so (laughs) that's cool (laughs) that makes me feel pretty good (laughs) so I love that you get to be on here and you're a listener that's extra special so
1: Yes, I, um, actually had started listening to podcasts just in general when I started tooling leather because music, I get to dance in too much. And then the next thing I know, I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing. So <laughs> I got linked up with your podcast and, uh, you know, many other great people that have really good podcasts and that's been enjoyable for me. And I, I do enjoy yours
0: a lot. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah, I agree. Yes. I tool leather quite a bit and it's easier if you can just listen to somebody else do the It talking. is. It <laughs> is. Yeah.
1: And I like, you know, some of the longer ones kind of have some breaks. And so I take like that as a note for me to take a break while I'm <clears throat> working on stuff. And that's, that's kind of nice too. A built-in break, I guess you could call it.
0: <laughs> oh, there you go. Do you have any favorites? Other favorites? Ah, uh, you
1: know, one that I've started listening to, just recently i'm a history junkie so i think it's called uh gosh now i can't even think of it it's ramble and something oh gosh, i don't even know <laughs> but it it, it's a drift and ramble his- yes drift and ramble so drift it's old, ramble you know history stories of people but it's told in like a storytelling format not like reading it out of a history book type of thing uh-huh. and <clears throat> so i listened to the to one um I think it was on Billy the Kid not too long ago, and that was super interesting.
0: But there's,
1: yeah, there's a good handful of them that are really cool out there.
0: Yeah, that is a good one. I've listened to that one on and off for Mm -hmm. a long time. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a
0: neat one. Mm -hmm.
1: So, and give us—you want to know another cool one? Sorry to interrupt you. Another cool podcast. Yes. If you totally dig like family history, which I'm, like I said, I'm all into history, is Family Secrets. And it's a, uh, they have people call in, you know, and they interview them and they're different, you know, different families from all across the world that have secrets about histories of their family. You know, like one was my great, his great grandmother was a jewelry smuggler or a jewel smuggler, like super interesting, you know, kind of hidden family secrets. That one's kind of cool too. That one's probably one of my favorites. I like
0: that. I might have to look yeah. that one up. That one yeah, sounds pretty it's cool. good. It's a good one. <laughs> so, give us a little snapshot. What does your life look like right now? Okay. Um, so I live
1: uh in South Dakota just north of Rapid City and I live here on the TC outfit, which is my husband's place. He's the fourth generation here. His grandpa established his place in 1910 or which would be great grandfather, I guess I should say. And so, um, we're here, we've got a little girl that's turning 7 in November. And she goes to school in Newell, South Dakota. And then we've got our little guy, Tap, And he just turned two. So um, just the runnings of the ranch and the kids. Um, I stay home with uh, the kids now and help on the ranch when's needed and then work on my leather stuff, which is kind of starting to pick up now that I'm getting the hang of it. But uh, that's pretty much what it boils down to. We've got quite the operation here. Um, several hundred head of cows and quite a bit of farming for feedstock for the winter so that's what we're Mm -hmm. doing this week is chopping silage before the snow starts flying on wednesday
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's so nerve-wracking oh Oh, and i can't believe it's here already it feels like it still should be like beginning of summer i know you know we
1: didn't really hardly get a summer at all it rained so early and nobody got their crops in you know until real late like june when usually they're in it a couple of weeks in into May and um yeah, so the corn that we're chopping is not, we're just trying to pick what's ready and what some of it that can be left behind to combine and hopefully it doesn't freeze and knock all the leaves off of it. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> so it's the same I think Atlas happened like on the thirteenth of October and they're calling for three days of snow this week and so we're kinda on scramble now. But Oh Lord. How it goes, I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> oh, exactly. Oh, and you know, I, I know your life hasn't always been that way.
1: No, um, it definitely hasn't. Mm
0: hmm. Um, and that's kind of why I wanted to talk to you. I haven't got to, I mean, you know, Adrian and I really got to touch on a little bit of, you know, abuse, domestic violence. Um, but I, Really wanted to hear from you as well. Sure. So Um, I'll
1: give you a little back history, I guess. Um, I went to college in Colby, Kansas. And while I was in college, I, I met a man and I, I'm not going to use names because it's beyond the past and it is what it is. Mm -hmm. But, um, I met him and I just thought that it was my next right thing to get married when I got out of school. You know, I didn't really grow up in a place where there was a lot of, you know, young women doing cool things and, you know, making their own path. Like you see nowadays, you know, I've got some friends that are my age that are still not married and they're just doing their thing. I never grew up seeing that. So I never really had an example of that. And I always thought that that was what I had to do next was, you know, once you graduated, it was time to get married and start a family. Mm Um. So I dated him through college, uh, my last year of college. And then the year after, and we got married the same year that I graduated and I moved to New Mexico and I absolutely love New Mexico. It will always have a little piece of my heart. I love the country there and I loved my job there. I was a physical therapist assistant at the hospital in Clayton, New Mexico. And, you know, through that time, I knew when we were dating, there was just a, there was a lot of red flags (laughs) and I knew that they were red Mm -hmm. flags, but you know, when you're, when you're dating somebody, you always hope to see the best in people. And I'm very much that Mm -hmm. type of person. And I just always thought that things would maybe get better. So I stuck it out. And like my mom always said, you know, you, you saddled that bronc, you better ride it. That was our thing (laughs) when we were kids and you know, you signed up for that club, you're going to finish it out. You signed up for that sport, you're going to finish it. So that was kind Mm -hmm. of my motto (laughs) and, um, things just continually progress to get worse. Um, not only, was there probably a lot of things going on with me as well as him, though he had an alcohol addiction problem on top of it. And, you know, I had been around alcoholism a lot as a younger child. I was around a lot of people who drank a lot. And so it wasn't anything different for me to see somebody drinking every day. You know, like that was a normal see for me. And mm-hmm. just another one of those things that, you know, you'd hoped that it would have got better. But if it didn't, maybe it wasn't ever going to get worse. It was just going to stay the same is kind of what I thought. Um, fast forward in our marriage, um, you know, that's been seven years ago now, six years ago now. So it's kind of hard for me to remember dates and times. But <laughs> within the first year, <laughs> we um, got pregnant with our my oldest hattie and during that time things really escalated with his alcohol problem and my (laughs) i'll just say my attitude like i got really resilient towards i don't know if resilience is the right word i got really resistant towards putting up with it and so Mm -hmm. um you know the Arguments between us became more aggressive. And then they kind of got into, you know, some, some physical abuse. And I was pregnant, which in turn, I can't say that it 100% caused it, but in turn, it caused me to have preterm labor. And so Mm -hmm. my blood pressure was really high. I had preeclampsia and I just had a really, really hard pregnancy. And I do. Believe that a large percent of it was from the home life that I was living in. And, you know, people can see what's going on on the outside, no matter how much, you know, you say that you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. You are going to be around people in your life at certain points of time that is going to have an insight to what's going on. Mm-hmm. I worked with a gal at the hospital and her son was a rehabbed alcoholic. And, you know, every time I would come to work, she just knew, she knew that something was going on and she knew that things were not okay. And she always encouraged me, you know, to seek help or, you know, go to AA or whatever you need. And when you're stuck in the middle of that, you don't think about that kind of stuff you want to just carry on with life and hope that things get better and kind of sweep in another rug and go on. And mm-hmm. I did that for a while, but at a certain point in time after Hattie was born, um, enough became enough. And I'm not sure in how in depth you really want me to go because everybody's situation is so different. You know, there's no amount mm-hmm. of abuse is acceptable but some people just deal with emotional abuse. Some people deal with verbal abuse, which is the same as an emotional abuse to me. And some people mm-hmm. have it a lot harder. Some people deal with very, very physical abusive relationships. Mm-hmm. Mine wasn't that to that extent, there was some physical abuse, but most of it was very emotional and very torn down. Um, mm-hmm type of deal. So it took a lot of courage for me to accept what was going on and accept that I was going to be bettering my life, my daughter's life and his life if I left at that certain point of time. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. know that I didn't know what was going to happen. I knew that um I told myself when I made the decision to leave that when I left, that was going to be it. I wasn't turning back, you know, and that wasn't mm-hmm. that wasn't to say that I'm not going to turn back and try and co-parent and be, you know, a better have a better relationship for Hattie's benefit. That was I'm never going I'm never going to be with this man again, period. Mm-hmm. I had had enough and I wasn't going to do the back and forth type of deal. So, um uh, mm-hmm. I can't even tell you how long it took probably a good year from when she was born. I think she was, yeah, we had her first birthday party in November and then in that following January is when I left. So yeah, just over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, And so it took me that long of a time to, you know, reach out and get some help, get some encouragement from some positive people, talk to you know, talk to some counselors, which I did and mm-hmm. just gain my confidence back enough to know that it was something that I could handle because before that state, you know, it was the common things of you're nobody's going to want you because of the way that you are. And you have a child on your hip. Like who's going to want that? You know. It was a lot of those Mm -hmm. type of everyday things that was said to me that had me believing that this was the only Mm -hmm. place that I belonged. Mm -hmm. So fast forward (laughs) through the year, um, I gained, (laughs) gained all my confidence and I was actually, uh, had started putting things away, um, you know, important papers. I started gathering all the things that I, needed to take. And I took nothing out of want. I took everything out of the things that I needed. I needed clothes. I needed important documents. And that's it. So mm-hmm. I started gathering those things and putting them all in one spot where it was hidden in, in the bottom of her drawers. Because I didn't really know what was going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. If I said I'm leaving, you know, because I had left multiple times. And went to town and stayed. And then I ended up coming back. You know, I'm going to make this work. Mm -hmm. I'll be better. I'll, you know, we'll try and do better. And it just never worked. So Mm -hmm. I had gone to work one day and I was treating a a middle school age patient and her parents owned the hotel in Clayton. And her dad came to me out of the blue that day and he said, I kind of have an idea you know, of what's going on. I don't know if somebody had told him. I'll I'll never know, probably. If somebody had told him what was going on or if he just kind of had an inclination, you know, from my body mm-hmm. language or whatnot. And he said, I just want to let you know that you have a room for you and your daughter at the hotel free of charge for as long as you need it. Oh, wow. Yes. And that right there was a moment where... I could see the light shining through the clouds of what seemed to be so dark at that point mm-hmm. in time in my life and I knew that that was a way of God showing me that everything's just going to be okay like you need to get to safety first and then we'll go along from there. Mhm. So, I went home that day. I he wasn't home. And I didn't want to do, I, I didn't want to leave without him knowing, but I knew that that's what I had to do for my safety. So he wasn't home. Mm -hmm. I went, I went there. I, I gathered all my things and while I was gathering my things, and sorry, if I get choked up, I haven't talked about this in many years. As I was gathering my things, he came inside. Oh my God. I remember sitting there on the floor in my daughter's room with all these things in a bag thinking this is the time that he's really gonna whale me a good one, you know, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. just another God moment. And that, as I look back seven years later, you know, I really can see where his hand was in protecting Patty and I through all of this. And I, he just said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm leaving. He said I've got a place to go that's safe for Hattie and I these are all the things that I need and I'm I'm gonna go. He stood there in the door for a while and he looked at me and he said, Can I help you load it? <laughs> and I was just kinda like, Yeah, that'd be great. You know, I and I don't know, I can't remember that. If he ever did help me load anything, you know, I didn't have much, just a few bags. And I just said, can you catch your daughter by? And he said, yep. And I left. And I'll never forget. It was 50, 50 miles of dirt road, roughest gravel, New Mexico road to town. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, there was probably the first. 10 miles was, you know, just a two tracks past the road. And I'll never forget driving down that road. I'll never forget that feeling of just a weight being lifted. That even though I knew things were going to get more difficult, <sighs> there was light being shown in my life that, that maybe I did have a future other than living this for the rest of my life, day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. That's a a long story, probably not so short, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) you know, from then on out, it's just things really started to click. I moved to town. Um, I lived in Clayton for six months. I allowed him to, I didn't file any paperwork divorce wise or custody wise. I allowed him to go to rehab. Um, it took him several months after I left to go, but I allowed him to go to rehab Mm -hmm. and the hopes that he would sober up so we could kind of, you know, visit this visitation and custody plan with a clear mind. That was really my goal, knowing that I wasn't going to go back, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to be civil. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he went to rehab, and then that was a failed deal. He wasn't sober for very long, unfortunately for him. And I hate that, you know, I hate that feeling. But eventually I had to Mm -hmm. move home. So I moved back home to Colorado and, uh, you know, in that time there was a lot of growth and a lot of just doors opened and eyes opened that, you know, life was going to be okay.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for telling me that story. I know that's not an easy one to get out. Wow. You
1: know, it's gotten easier over the years and I really, um, Well, I've, you've got to give God the credit and growth and, and aging, honestly. You just get wiser the older you get. And I'm not old by any means. I'll be 29 this month, but you know, you just, you, you grow and you learn and sitting here today, thinking back on it. I, I often tell people that I am not the woman I am today. Had I have not gone through that, you know, it was a difficult Mm -hmm. season in my life. Yes. I wish it didn't happen. Yes. I wish my daughter didn't have to go through what she did, what she was really young then. So, you know, it's not, it wasn't as traumatic, but now, you know, she's kind of got some after effects from it, but hands down, I am, I am the woman I am today. And I have the backbone and the strength to face anything because of what I went through in that time mm-hmm. of my life. And I was young too. I was only 22. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And, and my husband now, my husband has been married before too. And his was the opposite. She was very abusive to him. She was living an alternate life. Basically. She lived in town under a different name, hadn't a house. I mean, she would leave and come home and, never talk to him and she would call and say she was going to come home and and make things work and then she would never show up you know so my husband has dealt with that abuse on the same end and you don't hear about the woman abusing a man very often but it happens it happens so mm-hmm. often we just don't hear about it mm-hmm. and so yeah. his help his help for for me he was single and lived alone for 15 years before we got married so he had a long time to, you know, really come to grasps with that season of life that he was in and accept it and know how mm-hmm. to move on from it. And that has been such a blessing because he's just very kind and tender when things come up that, you know, were traumatizing back then and, and really has helped me work through a lot of things.
0: hmm Yeah. And how sweet that you guys get to enjoy each other and both have, you know, that similar experience to push again, you know? Yeah. And you know, that
1: really, I think is a, what's a strong connection between him and I is that we have both been through that. And so, you know, when things get serious, we're able to, not step away from each other, you know, and deal with it on our own, but really come to the talking table and get things worked out and be mm-hmm. generous and kind and gentle with each other and that that's what makes the marriage <laughs> in my eyes you know being compassionate so.
0: mhm, yeah, yeah, hey, you know I, I mean this one has a happy ending to it, so it's easier to listen it to does. <laughs> it <laughs> it does. Does. Yeah, you know.
1: <laughs> It does. And I, so many, um, times I see women abused. Like I nearly can go to town and pick them out, honestly, as terrible as that mm-hmm. sounds. I remember what it, I felt like in that state and I remember what I looked like. And, you know, my friends tell me now, gosh, you were, you were just not the same person. You were horrible to talk to. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the mm-hmm. real criticism there, which I appreciated after I left because it really made me realize how much better off I was. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel so terrible for these women that are not able to get out of those situations. But on the same hand, it's, are you, are you not able or, and this sounds terrible and it probably sounds really harsh, but are you not able or are you really not willing?
0: You know, Mm -hmm. and it,
1: it comes to a point I've been in both places that. You know, you don't want to leave, and then you want to leave, and you, you think you're that's the only place that you belong because you've been belittled to believe that so many days of your life. Mm-hmm. S- you've got to stand up, and you've got to have courage to take yourself out of situations like that. And it's not just relationships. It's at work. It's, you know, it's every relationship that you deal with day in and day out mm-hmm. that you have to have the courage to stand up and and believe and what is right.
0: Well, and I often wonder, and I was thinking this while you're talking, you know, it's, it's amazing where these women find the courage when you have had, you know, every ounce of self-confidence sucked out of you by this other yes. person, you know, like yes. you wonder where does that come from? It It is kind of an act of God, you know, it just is. That, it absolutely is. It, you know, and I, I, can you know i can empathize but like i even think how hard it's been for me to leave past relationships that weren't abusive but they weren't good for me you know Mm -hmm. i cannot imagine how hard it would be to make that decision if there was that extra ingredient to it
1: i cannot imagine yeah it's
0: very difficult
1: and you know i won't go into a whole lot of depth what it was like growing up out of respect for my parents but
0: my, mm-hmm.
1: I lived in a home where there was a lot of alcohol drink by my father. And, you know, I just, I knew what it was like growing up and I did not want that for Hattie. I absolutely did not. I would have, I would rather her go through what she has to go through now, balancing and trying to figure out what it's like to have two fathers in her life, than mm-hmm. to have to deal with the emotional trauma that she would have had to deal with every day you know because i Mm -hmm. i know wholeheartedly that if i hadn't have left he would still be drinking and he is sober he's Mm -hmm. been sober for five years now as far as i know and we've kind of made some amends on some things but you know that's not guaranteed for anybody unfortunately dealing with that battle so Mm -hmm. yeah it's a difficult decision and it i really don't know (laughs) Where it came from, I don't know where the courage came from and all, I, the only answer I have is, is it's a God thing because He alone is the only one that can, you know, lift you up and whisper to you to pull up your bootstraps and suck it up and go on mm-hmm. with life. You know, yeah. yeah. I remember being in high school, Absolutely. I was, a, I was just this waspy little thing when I was in high school lots of self-confidence and, you know, did not have a care in the world of what people thought of me just did my own thing Mm -hmm. and was my own person. And it's, um, you know, I'm back to that now I'm back to that kind of where I hold myself, you know, it's changed. Of course, when you're 18 to when you're 29, that you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a different kind of self-respect, but, um, For it to just be knocked right out from under you and so quickly just still blows my mind that one person has the ability to do that so quickly Mm -hmm. to a self-confident person just to still, it still blows my mind and I don't know how to address it. You know, I don't know Mm -hmm. what to say to somebody who's like that, but it happens quick.
0: Well, and that's the one person who should not, you know, that your partner is such a You know, they're almost spiritual like that. You know, that's the one person who should never do it to you. And and most of the time it is the person that is in that role and has that power. and Absolutely. uh,
1: Yep. And that's it. Yeah. You know it it, And that goes for mothers, fathers, husbands, brothers, sisters, anybody that's toxic to you. That is the closest to you is likely the one that's hurting you,
0: sadly. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, most car accidents happen within two miles of the That's home, right. You know, like the same rule <laughs> applies. <laughs> like,
1: I think about that all the time. I think about that all the time.
0: It is crazy. Oh. And so you have a new little one too. Correct? I do.
1: We have, uh, Tapadero Thomas is his name. He was born, um, on the 8th of September, but he wasn't due until November. He came 12 weeks early. Spent <laughs> mm-hmm. 50, five days in the NICU or something like that. So I had another NICU experience. I haven't got taken either baby home from the hospital yet, but that was my, mm-hmm. my husband's first. And you know, what? we had him when he, uh, Travis is quite a bit older than I am. And so we had tap when Travis was 44 and 44 is kind of our, like lucky number, you know, when you see 44, it's a sign that God's telling you everything is going to be okay or And it's happened. It's popped up throughout the five years we've been together. It's popped up here in various (laughs) places. Number 44, you know, it was like a stat or something like it was written on the wall at the hospital when TAP was born, like 44. And Travis went to the store and there was something on sale for 444. And so it's kind of cool that tap was born when travis was 44 but <laughs> cool that he um you know is now the fifth generation and the tc mm-hmm. outfit gets to go on
0: again so that's pretty neat mm-hmm. yeah very fun yeah. Uh, no i'm totally sharing one of your guys's wedding photos for this episode because <laughs> you guys have the, literally the sweetest wedding photos i think i've ever thank seen thank you oh thank they're you. so cute
1: it's uh that wedding was just magical so I think I have posted a backstory on my husband and I that I met my husband I was 16 at a ranch rodeo that my mom puts on in Hugo Colorado which is an awesome ranch rodeo by the way if you ever down that way you should go (laughs) in June but um you know I had grown up in Colorado and been around more like southern style cowboy and, and here's my husband the the, the buckaroo flat hat <laughs> all all the buckaroo vaquero things and i had never seen that before ever <laughs> and i was like you are something from another land <laughs> <laughs> you know when you're 16 and you think ooh, they kind of you know you kind of get smitten with them well of course the age difference was too much when you're 16 and so we we Uh, just had saw each other on and off through a couple ranch radios, you know, and visited with their ranch radio team, became good friends with my family and they would stay. And then the last time I saw him was, I was engaged to get married and, you know, he kind of took that as, you know, that, that chance has flown out the door. Probably never gonna, that's never going to happen, even if there was ever a chance of it happening. And while I Mm -hmm. had left in that time that I lived at home, we got connected again. So it had been eight years since we had seen each other. So, yeah, that's how I ended up here. He said, hey, do you want a job?
0: (laughs) Want to be my hired
1: hand? <laughs> so i was his hired hand and now i'm his hired hand with a ring on so <laughs>
0: yeah oh that's pretty so, good great yeah it's hey, the my mysterious
1: ways it does it does yeah and i you know I, i've known him for 12 years now i figured it up today and i it's taken me 12 years to get get to him but that was well worth it because i appreciate the things that I've had to go through to get to where I am today. Mm -hmm.
0: What a way to look at it. And I love that you are so appreciative of, of, you know, it seems like it took a lot from you, but like you said, you wouldn't have been the woman you are today if it hadn't happened.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's
0: taken a long time to accept that, you know,
1: at some point in time, you've got to let go of what happened to you and find a positive in it and make it make it something that's beneficial for you you know there's a lot of there's a lot of things I went through you know if I had to write them on the list the list would be comparable at the stage in my life of the crap things that I went through and on the other side how they benefited me Mm -hmm. but (laughs) at a point in time after I left that you know the how it benefited me side of the list would have been blank Mm -hmm. it's it's taken a long time
0: (laughs) so one question I had written down is: what advice do you have someone who finds himself in that tricky situation of being in a relationship that you know is not good for them whether it be abuse or just you know I mean, it, it, it doesn't have to be abuse to not be good for you, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, but like, what is your advice that for someone that finds themselves in that spot?
1: I had a feeling you were going to ask me this question today, so I've been playing it around in my head all day. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think my best advice would be to follow your gut, hands down. I cannot even tell you how many times through that relationship did he leave the, leave the room. And I was like, Oh my God, this is not right. This is not how this should feel, you know? And even growing up in the situation that I did, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't super, you know, I would say, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's still, I still knew that this was not acceptable to be talked to like that or treated like this or, have to constantly wonder where you are going to get in trouble, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think that's my best advice is your heart knows the desires that it needs to feel loved and appreciated and safe. That when something doesn't go right, you're going to, you're going to have something in your head that says this is not okay. Okay. Just not how mm-hmm. this is supposed to be, and listen to that, you know, and that goes with anything if you're in downtown and you're feeling a little funky, like somebody's watching you, you know your body's gonna feel that you're gonna you've got to find a way to listen to that intuition, is it that you know mm-hmm. something's just just not right, and I don't know mm-hmm. if that's good advice, but I feel like people are really out of tune with their minds and their hearts and their souls, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of work, but you really, your body really does know when your heart really does know when something's not right. It's your mind Mm -hmm. telling you that it's going to be okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Your rational brain. What do they call it? It's like your, you're subconscious and then you're at, yes. I don't know, but I get you exactly. I always think how many times have I gotten in trouble listening to my gut? Zero. How many times have I gotten in trouble listening to my head? A lot. <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: definitely. Trying to teach that to my
1: mm-hmm. kids now or my oldest. Now she's got a friend in school that is a little sassy <laughs> and she wants to get, in, she's trying to get Hattie to get in trouble with her. And I'm like, is that feel right? No. Yes, it looks fun, but it's not, you know, you need to listen to what your heart says that it, that's probably not an okay thing to be doing. So <laughs> it's a hard lesson to learn when you're seven, hard lesson to learn yeah. when you're 29.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Getting in trouble still like fun. E- while.
1: Exactly. You know, I don't know another bit of <laughs>
0: advice is to,
1: you know, if you are stuck in that situation. Seek out those people that are, I won't, I won't say it because I don't know how you, if you want to, don't bleep it out or what. Seek out those people that are no BS. You know, like everybody's got one of those friends that is just a little bit blunt and when you leave their presence, you're a little pissed at them. (laughs) Find one of Mm -hmm. those friends because they will tell you what is up mm-hmm. and sometimes you need a little bit of harsh reality to give you open your eyes a little bit to see what's going on in front of you so then you can accept it and have the courage to stand up and fight against it mm-hmm. that's how that yeah. boss and if you don't for yeah she just told me how it was
0: <laughs> hey you gotta love it, though, because, you know, I think, and it's, it's funny how, I don't want to say older women, but, you know, you and I are both still in our 20s, but, like, there are these women who have much more experience and wisdom than we do that just kind of plop into your life at the right time and absolutely call you on your shit and then move on in your life. Absolutely. Well, how they mm-hmm. know? <laughs> you just got schooled, sister. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. hmm
1: and be that person for and your friends you- too. You know, I, I've got a really good friend here who they actually used to work for us. She was in a horrible, horrible, abusive marriage right here in front of our fate. You know, I, and that was before I lived here. But the first time I ever met her and met her husband, I was like, something's, I told my husband, I said, something's going on. So she's, mm-hmm. something's not okay in that house and uh, not, That long after, six months later, you know, they had quit because he threw a temper tantrum and left. And she opened up to me and, you know, said, if this happens one more time, I'm probably going to die. You know, that type of thing. It was that bad. And I, wow, you know, I had to get really blunt and really harsh with her. Like, nobody's going to save you from this. You have to do this yourself. You've got to, you know put the steps in to get out of there. And I will mm-hmm. be here, you know, we'll, we'll come get you in the night, whatever you need, but you ultimately have to make the decision for yourself. If you're going to continue to live that life or you're not. And mm-hmm. her and I are the dear, I mean, she's my dearest friend <laughs> nowadays. And we mm-hmm. just have that type of relationship. We, you know, you, you need those type of people in your life to keep you on the
0: line. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And you know, I'll, I'll never forget. My mom told me this story, you know, one of her really good high school friends was in this abusive relationship and you know, my mom went to go get her and she just couldn't do it. You know, and my mom said walking away from her was the hardest thing I had to do, but I had, I, you know, for my sake, I had to say you need to you need to make the decision. I'll be there when you make the decision, but I can't be right here right now if you're not going to make it. Absolutely. And, yep. Absolutely. And I heard that as a young woman, and I it still resonates with me, like how hard that was for my mom. You yep. know, but you can't force somebody into it. You can't force no, them to see the can't. light. You can't force them to leave. You can't.
1: You know, and you that's know, where I unfortunately got to the it point, is a. Yeah, where I had got to the point with him with drinking. I'm like, if I do not. Quit and I quit catering to him or, uh, enabling that's the word as an alcoholic or a drug addict. I quit enabling him when I got pregnant because he would make me pick mm-hmm. up beer for him every time I was in town because it was 50 miles. Well, Gary, I'm pregnant. I don't want to be at the liquor store every day picking up beer. You know, I had a reputation in town as a very good physical therapist at the hospital and I really took pride in my job. And Mm -hmm. I just didn't, you know, want that to be part of my story. And so when I quit doing that, that's when things really started escalating when I stopped enabling Mm -hmm. him, because then it came down to, he would bring it home. He'd walk in the door, he'd set it down on the counter, he'd turn around and and he'd turn back around and I was pouring it out in the sink. Like I had no, I did not accept it any longer. And I think that's where a lot of things escalated Like I said, on my, my behalf, my attitude probably wasn't very good towards it, but I was done with it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got, you one, you have to stop enabling and that's where having your harsh friends is good, but also, you know, take going to Alcoholics Anonymous or Al-Anon for family and really taking, you have to take the steps to learn how to not enable them any longer. And you have to let it go because mm-hmm. there is nothing that you can do to make them quit what they're doing. They have to make that decision. Mm-hmm. So it just came to a point where he mm-hmm. wasn't making that decision for himself. And so I had to make a decision to benefit my daughter and I. Hmm.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's amazing. I think how, But your child changes that too, because suddenly it's not just you, you know, it, 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 I can't imagine the the changes in dynamic that happens when there's a child involved. Yes, absolutely.
1: And a high stress like I had, I mean, I was in the ambulance twice and had to be transferred to Amarillo, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty high stress, especially for somebody who is dealing with an addiction problem on top of that, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure it was terrible for him i'm sure he couldn't cope and you know i i hate looking back now and because i can put myself in issues and realize what pain he was going through but i'm also Mm -hmm. on the other side of it that that was your decision like you could have chosen to quit that crap at the most Mm -hmm. you know hardest time of our lives with a Child being born preterm and being in the NICU two hours away. And I had to live in a camper in the middle of winter in Amarillo, which after living in South Dakota, Texas winters ain't nothing. <laughs> but, you know, it's, I look back now and I, I can be on both sides for him. Um, probably lean a little bit more still on the, you know, you could have knocked that off kind of crap, but it's, it's difficult to be in those types of situations. And it really ultimately comes down to what, what do you want for your life?
0: Hmm. Yeah. And we're also guilty of that, but you know, our minds, we literally get to pick everything in our lives. Like, you know,
1: yeah, we absolutely. like to
0: pretend like we can't, but the way we react and the way that we put ourselves out into the world is so up to us, even though it feels like it's not, you know, absolutely. Yes. Yes. So uh, well we covered a lot of stuff. I yes. love this. Thank you so much for sharing all yes. that. I know that's a courageous thing. So Yes, absolutely. And I
1: you know, I'm open to being that blunt friend for <laughs> for anybody. I you know, I've visited with a lot of ladies about a lot of things and I um you know, even men I've visited with men who just don't feel like they're in the right you know, position mm-hmm. to have a, you know, a good solid relationship. And I <clears throat> am there to talk to anybody, but you know, don't, don't feel upset when you leave feeling a little pissed at me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Real. So. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> oh, so before we go, what's next for Tapadero Annie's? I see you're doing some shows and stuff. What's coming oh, up? Oh, Yes.
1: So um the month of October, I guess we're in October. I mean, uh, I have three shows in October, and my husband would kick me if he hears my northern accent. Here, I just said "shows" with an O. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, I have three shows in October, and then I've got one in November and a big two-day one in December. And then I'm gonna hunker down for the winter and hopefully get things back on my going on my website. I haven't had things on my website for all of fall just going to all these shows. It's hard to keep it updated with mm-hmm. all the things that I have. So um mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of where it's going. I I hear my husband talking in the background to somebody last week that he's gonna have me driving the feed truck this winter. So <laughs> we'll <laughs> probably back to work.
0: <laughs> there you go. Awesome. I love it. And I love watching your leather tooling. It has changed so much in the last like I would say like six to eight months even. I've noticed Thank a huge you. difference in yes. it. Yes.
1: I uh made a purse yesterday that I did not make one mistake on. And I was like, it's turning Ooh. the corner. <laughs> I can see the light." <laughs> it just takes practice. It, mm-hmm. it really just takes
0: practice. I love it. So, and not being afraid but, to
1: just put the crap work out there. You know, If you make something mm-hmm. and you don't feel like it's up to par, that it's a learning process and people will accept that and appreciate it
0: Hmm. i say that i'm like the word custom means there's at least one mistake in it you just gotta find it absolutely. that's what custom means thank you <laughs> yes yes absolutely i know and i like mistakes
1: i like things with mistakes that uh i'll never forget this not a couple weeks ago and sorry to hold you up if we're going too long but my husband, oh, no, no, uh, oh, no. My husband is like a perfectionist. Like everything is, I don't know if you're familiar with the enneagrams, but he's like an enneagram one, which is the perfectionist. That's the title, and so mm-hmm. everything has to be measured, leveled, you know, straight lines, blah blah blah. And I am not that way at all. I don't like straight lines. <laughs> I don't like things that are in order. My You know, he always comes down to the leather room. He's like, why are all these tools on the bench? I said, because I like them there. That's where I can find them, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And one day we're driving down the road and he's quiet and I looked it over at him. And I said, do you want to know something? You want to know a secret? And he said, yeah, I want to know your biggest, deepest secrets. I said, I don't like straight lines. (laughs) I said, I don't like them. They just just look too stuck up or... Too fritzy or franciers <laughs> and it's just enemy. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what to think about you. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it's um, that's probably been the hardest thing about purse building is straight lines. They do require that. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, at least one. It's be if you get a one. if you get a
1: custom piece from me and it doesn't have a straight line, then just accept it that it's my creativity. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I love it. Well, thank you so much again for doing this interview. This was so special. And I'm so glad that we got you on here. So hope
1: I can open somebody's eyes for a point in time and hope they feel like that, that courage is building up in them and that they're strong enough to do the hard things that are in front of them, no matter what it be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Okay, thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. Jessica left me filled with joy, full of thoughts, and very inspired. So you can find her on Facebook or Instagram at Tapadero Annies. Once again, her name is Jessica Castile. She does beautiful leather work, beautiful jewelry making. Honestly, just a really cool gal. Give her a follow. Thank you for listening.